Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Welcome into another edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented to you by Tap 14. I am Casey Light. You can find me on Twitter at Light on His Feet. And I am very excited to be joined this Monday by the one and only Ronnie Court. You know him as Ronnie K Radio on Twitter. Ronnie, welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate uh, my first time. Jumping on this, so hopefully I can run with you. Well, you can also catch Ronnie on the Broncos Blitz podcast here on Mile High Sports, Mm -hmm. in addition to a number of other places across the Mile High Sports platforms. But the reason we have brought Ronnie in is because he was down in Scottsdale with the Colorado Rockies last week. We're going to pick his brain about what he saw firsthand from your Colorado Rockies. But before we do that, we do want to encourage all of you to set your schedule now. Get ready to go down to 1920 Blake Street, Tap 14, Next Thursday, not this coming Thursday, next Thursday, because that is Ronnie Rockies opening day, not the Rockies home opener. Let's be very clear. Rockies opening day. The Rockies will open on March 29th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And what better place to watch that game than at 1920 Blake Street with those 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits at tap 14. Also, the American Alpine Fair that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally. We'll be watching it from the terrific rooftop with views all year round. It's staying light out later, so we'll actually get... a little bit of a nice sunset there before that game kicks off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But, but Ronnie, let's dive into this because I, I don't want to sound like an alarmist, but I'm starting to get a little bit nervous as we get this close to the Rockies regular season getting started. And we're seeing, pardon the horrible pun here, but some really Rocky performances from our Rockies. You were down there last week. Tell me why I should not be completely alarmed by a 13-0 loss to the San Francisco Giants and some of the terrible performances that we've seen so far this year. It's spring training. Spring training, two words, and that's it. And and it is worrisome in certain aspects other than others. I'm not too much worried about the hitting with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I do believe the hitting will come around. It's more so the pitching and and zeroing in on that 13 nothing loss uh, to the Giants. It's not so much the starter, Sam Howard, who, let's face it, will not be somebody who will be up in the organization. We, we At least see, we don't expect it. No, we might see a handful of starts from Sam Howard, depending on how things are going in August, September. We might see him as a late call-up, a spot sure. start kind of a guy. But, but you're I right, think, we're not going to see Sam Howard in the rotation if everything goes as planned. Yeah, if Sam Howard is pitching meaningful games for the Rockies this year, something drastically went wrong, and, and there are other uh, bigger problems. Uh, it's more so the relievers coming in and having shaky starts, and particularly Brian Shaw, who only pitched two-thirds an inning, uh, allowed the four runs, and it's when it's pitching against hitters who they are facing big league hitters, but a lot of this is depth once you get later towards the innings. There's that five, sixth inning baton pass almost you see where teams make those mass substitutions, Rockies as well too, where it gets you a little worrisome. I still look at this and I say, it's spring training. This is preseason. We've seen uh, players have absolutely dreadful Spring training uh, starts, and then in this regular season, they go back to normal. And then we've also seen the vice versa, where they have phenomenal spring trainings. I think there was a, you know, and and granted, he's a great hitter. I think there was a spring training a couple years ago where Nolan hit like 600. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, (laughs) you know, it's spring training. I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I suppose there are a couple things to keep an eye on. 
as we progress through this. Well, as I mentioned, you were down there. You saw it firsthand. And one of the things that we hear Bud Black reiterate over and over again is don't read too much into the numbers in spring training. But for me, as someone who has not had a chance to be down there with all my other GM duties here at Mile High Sports, I have to rely on folks like yourself, Anilo Piro, Doug Ottawa, who have all been down there, Eric Goodman and Les Shapiro, to tell us to back off the ledge from some of these frightening numbers. And those are some of the numbers that I want to throw out. You mentioned Brian Shaw, obviously one of the big three additions or re-additions, so to speak, to that bullpen with Wade Davis and Jake McGee. But two of those guys so far have ERAs that are north that are north of nine in limited spring training experience. Look, we know Wade Davis is a all-star. We know Brian Shaw is a workhorse innings leader in MLB over the last five years. Should we be at all concerned that there's a 11.57 ERA with six earned runs over 4.2 innings pitched? What did you see from Brian Shaw when he was out there? Was this Is this just he's working off the rust still and we shouldn't be too concerned that in a week and a half he's going to potentially be called on to go in and shut down an inning? And I think that is the general working off the rust for all these starters. you know. And, and talking to Shaw in the clubhouse down there, uh, he's very loose. He fe- feels like he's beginning to be well accommodated, at least uh, in the clubhouse, getting to know guys and 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 starting that transition to the new team and and I, I'm just I'm not worried I look at all these numbers and I say I know it's frightening to look at it and you say well you know a starter just got absolutely lit up or a reliever or uh, you know a lot of people were talking about Ian Desmond's spring training where he was hitting below 100 for a long long time I just I look at this and I say it's spring training I I I, I parent next to like preseason in the NFL where you know a lot of times we see the Cleveland Browns go 4-0 in preseason <laughs> and then they don't win a game in the regular season so it's it's one of those things where a, a couple things in spring training that I want to see from the team I want to see them a work off that rust uh, but b start to um get acclimated with what their role is for the season you know and and this is where I think you know, and, and I know we're kind of going all over the place here with this, but uh, with Carlos Gonzalez signing, this now solidifies Ian Desmond at that first base position. Mm-hmm. That kind of sets the table for the outfield. You know, we, we are starting to see, I believe, the rotation kind of fall into place where we know John Gray is that number one guy. So I, I think those are the key things is finding the roles for those guys. But lastly, of course, is just staying healthy. You know, that, that's all I want. I want a full field of guys available once opening day hits in a couple weeks. Well, we are seeing guys limited in their usage, specifically Brian Shaw and Wade Davis. Again, we mentioned just the 4.2 innings pitched for Brian Shaw. And we talk about those six earned runs uh, that he has allowed. Uh Obviously, those are a little bit of a concern, but four of those six came in his last outing that lost to the Giants uh, in two thirds of an inning. Little bit of a concern for me, however, though, is the four home runs that he's allowed. That's that's a huge number uh, for a guy like. Brian Shaw. The other one uh, that we mentioned, obviously, Wade Davis, who's expected to come in and be the closer, uh, was handed the largest contract ever given to a relief pitcher. He is sitting at a 9.0 ERA. He has allowed one home run, three earned runs, uh, over three innings pitched. Uh, but again, to me, only three innings pitched. Is Wade Davis going to be ready to go and, and carry a workload? Because we saw early last year, Bud Black was not afraid to push the Greg Holland button on sure. repeat over and over again early on in the season to lock up as many of those wins. That proved very important late in the season, but it also showed 
that Greg Holland faded down the stretch. That also, I think, was a big reason why Holland was not as effective in August and September was because Bud Black went to him so early. Mm. Uh, are you concerned at all that, that Wade Davis is not putting in the innings, or is this just strictly to protect a veteran guy, making sure that he's not being overtaxed early on and that Bud Black really has a lot of confidence and trust in him? Well, and I think there's a couple things to this. There may have been a lesson learned from the Greg Holland situation where you abused him so early because he was just, he was on a roll. You know, for the longest time, he was the best reliever in baseball, and then he hit that wall, and then all of a sudden, you fell off the cliff. I think when you have so many arms, and this is where... Buddy Black being the man pulling the trigger to me is 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 somebody that the Rockies can be so confident in because he's been there and he's been somebody who can uh, understand what these pitchers are going through. And this is such a rare situation where the Rockies have so many young rotation relievers and now have this, you know, a lot of people want to call him this the Super Bowl pen. <laughs> and so I think there is a little bit of pacing that's going to be going on. I think it's going to be a little bit more reserved this year and and hopefully sending out the guy as, as healthy and as um, less worked as they can because now they have so many guys to pick from, you know? I mean, uh, you have a, a bullpen that is going to be very vast as far as arms go. So uh, it's not so much... And to go back to the home runs allowed, I will say this was the... Real, really the first thing that stood out to me, balls jump out of the yard at spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was making this point on Twitter as well, too, when uh, Ian Desmond hit two homers in uh, one inning in a spring training game. I believe that was the Friday game. The, the balls jump out of the yard like that. And, and uh, a ball that uh, other media members I was discussing with that looked like a fly ball, easy out at Coors Field, uh, turned out to be a, a home run in spring training. So, again, it's one of those things where I'm not worried about it too much. Um, I, I think this Rockies team has the right guy at the top to be able to pull the trigger on that. But maybe there was a lesson learned from Holland last year with the amount of usage that they used it for. Well, we'll talk about Ian Desmond and some of the other batters who've struggled uh, at the plate early on in, in spring training in, in just a moment. But I do want to stay with the pitchers for, for just a second, because there's a couple guys th- that I think are, are worth noting as well. Uh, Let's shift and talk a little bit about the starting pitching because the two names that have sort of been at the tip of everyone's tongue this year have been John Gray. Uh, Obviously, he missed the time last year uh, with that foot injury, but was missed roughly nine to ten starts uh, over the course of of the season last year with that lingering foot injury, uh, but still managed to finish the year ten and four. Very very strong year for John Gray. Projected opening day starter. Got a little bit of a break. We found out last week that it looks like Zach Greinke will not be ready to go for the opener. So that's a huge relief. Uh, for the Rockies and John Gray is that they'll uh, have someone that they can really go out and attack on that on that first game uh, and not have to face Granke, who was not great against them in that wild card game, but John Gray was less great. Sure. <laughs> less, not more not great. Uh, and it's Zach Granke. E- either one of them w- was not solid in that game, but you're happy to not have to face Zach Granke. Uh, but John Gray is not off to a particularly strong spring himself. Uh, over his 12.1 innings pitched, uh, he has allowed 14 earned runs runs for a 10-2-2 ERA. He is 0-2. John Gray, we know, is a sort of mentally fragile pitcher still to this day. He's improved greatly, and that is, look, we, we love John Gray. We love all of the strides that he has made, but 
even when Eric and Les were down there with them, I've mentioned this with Anilo on Thursday's podcast, that something that didn't sit particularly well with me was a question that they asked John Gray about uh, giving up the ball to that bullpen. Is he, you know, is there something in his mind that says, hey, I'm I'm the starter, I'm you know, I'm working this. This is my game. You got to pry the ball away from my hands. And John Gray more or less said, well, no, you have to be smart about it. And if you think there's a better matchup and you think there's this and you think there's that. And if you're maybe maybe the manager sees that you're more tired than you are. And, sure. you know, I'm paraphrasing here. But what you didn't get was the answer that you would get from a Clayton Kershaw or a Madison Bumgarner. And, I, and granted, again, those guys are World Series MVPs, league MVPs, Cy Young winners types. Uh, but you didn't get that ace mentality from John Gray of no way. Bud Black has to pry that ball out of my hands. Uh, John Gray, again. Again, has been hit around pretty good this spring training. Will he be able to shrug that off and attack the Diamondbacks going into a place where he got rocked in the last meaningful game? Yeah, and, and speaking to John Gray in the clubhouse, there was a sense of talking about him talking about last year, about how he felt like he still was trying to feel out his role to feel if he was the guy who was going to be the lead head per se of the rotation moving forward. And I think that's very clear now this year. You know, you could make an argument and say, why didn't he think that last year? Uh, but again, we are talking about a guy who only has three years of experience, but this is the year. This is the year where I want to, and, and I will say this, John Gray is one of the nicest guys in the clubhouse he's very accommodating he's uh just a great guy overall i kind of want to see a little bit of a-hole him in him (laughs) i i want to see a guy who is aggressive who and you use the word attack you know and 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 not just become a thrower but develop into this great pitcher who can really start to show himself as the ace for the rockies because while he has been progressing the Rockies need somebody at the top who they haven't had, gosh, you could probably say since Ibaldo Jimenez, yep. as somebody who is a dominant every five days, throw him out there, and you are almost guaranteed to win. And that's something that the rest of the West has, and they don't. They have a bunch of good guys. They don't have that one great guy. This is the year Gray has to step up and become that guy. Well, I think part of that issue last year for John Gray was the fact that Tyler Chatwood was still a part of this rotation. Sure. And what you saw in 2016 was this Jekyll and Hyde from Tyler Chatwood where he was going out and throwing near-no hitters on the road virtually every time he went out. Okay, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but he was as good a pitcher on the road as anyone in baseball and yet couldn't solve Coors Field for the life of him. And so I think, you know, obviously that plus the age and experience factor where John Gray didn't really maybe feel quite ready to take on that mantle of the leader of the rotation. Uh, Whereas this year, that's a pretty clear cut piece for him, uh, especially with the Rockies having not made any final moves uh, to to bolster that rotation here in spring training. The one guy that we've said all along, we think could be sort of uh, nipping at John Gray's heels for that title of number one starter. We won't call him an ace because Bud Black doesn't want us to use that term. And in in fairness, we probably shouldn't apply that term to any of these pitchers yet. Uh, But the guy nipping at John Gray's heels for that number one spot in the rotation is Herman Marquez, last year's 
uh, wins leader tied with Kyle Freeland. Uh, Marquez was great last year, but he too is having a rocky spring. Uh, a 9.82 ERA over four starts, uh, 11 innings pitched total. He's allowed 12 earned runs, a couple of home runs on 18 hits, uh, and opposing hitters are batting 353 against him. Uh, we know that in several of his outings, he has been uh, very specifically trying to work on his changeup, trying to add that as a plus pitch. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we've seen Marquez struggle is that he's uh, trying to apply a new pitch. Uh, any reasons for concern with Marquez, or are you confident and happy with what he's done so far despite the poor numbers? Well, again, it's one of those things where you go back to spring training, starting to work new pitches in, refined pitches. He was very wild uh, against the Angels. It was the Friday game, I believe it was, where a sequence had him throwing a wild pitch, balking, allowing a home run, you know, so things that certainly he will need to correct. And and I think while he was a very good pitcher last year, you did see times where Herman Marquez was a little wild. And I think you chalk that up with inexperience. Look, Herman Marquez has the best stuff on the staff, in my personal opinion. Um, he may not be the best pitcher right now, but his stuff is electric. It is, I mean, if they don't want me to use the word, I'm going to use it anyways. It's ace quality. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is still a little bit of a growing pain. And, and for the Rockies, that is going to be the case almost top to bottom outside of maybe Chad Bettis because everybody's under the age of 26. These are still guys who are progressing. And this may not be a absolute deadly rotation now, but in a year or two, they will all be progressed to the point to where there are no more excuses. So they were ahead of, a, ahead of the curve last year. You know, they were pitching well above their years as far as starting pitchers last year. So I think you you should see steps and progressions this year. I don't know if Marquez is two on the rotation when the, the rotation finally comes out, but certainly he should be in the mix in that top half. Yeah, absolutely. We won't spend a ton of time talking about these other guys, but some positives. We, we do want to end the pitching conversation on some positives that we've seen. Uh, the one that jumps out for me is uh, Antonio Sensatella, who's uh, rolling with a really solid 1.62 ERA. Uh, the positive thing for me is that he's got 16.2 innings pitched under his belt. Obviously, they had to shut him down last year, uh, coming off of the shoulder injury that he had in 2016 that limited him obviously we saw how great he was uh Senzatella, it looks like maybe pushing for that fifth spot in the rotation um so really exciting to see that uh three guys out of the bullpen that really uh have impressed Chris Russin, no surprise there, uh, allowed just one earned run over his 6.2 innings pitched. Mike Dunn, uh, who was brought in a couple of years ago and, and quietly was a, a, a very important piece of that bullpen last year, uh, didn't get maybe, say, the same accolades that uh, certainly Greg Holland did or that Jake McGee did. Uh, but Mike Dunn, he's given up just one earned run over 6.1 innings pitched. And the one that has been a real positive to me so far, at least in the early going, is Adam Ottavino, who obviously struggled mightily last year, uh, but he is sitting there at a 1-4-2 ERA, allowed just one earned run over his 6.1 innings pitched. A little cause for concern that he's got four walks allowed over those six innings pitched, but nice to see Otto starting to bounce back because he, to me, is the guy who's going to be the first to go in this bullpen if he struggles. And and Ottavino may be the outlier to the, oh, it's just spring training type discussion because Ottavino's pitch is that slider. Yep. And that slider that you want to see it bite and bite very hard. So it doesn't really matter who he's facing, whether it be a good batter or not. You're looking for that movement. He has that movement. And whether that keeps up all year long, 
is one thing, but certainly it was very, very much a positive. And it is nice to see, to go back to Antonio Senzatella. You know, last year in the clubhouse, Senzatella was, he was very young, he was very raw. He could, he could barely speak to the media in his first couple starts. It's incredible to watch his progression now, to be able to go up to him just in general and just speak to him. And he's comfortable around people. He's starting to, uh, and I, he's starting to get comfortable with everybody. And I think that's kind of the general theme with all the young pitchers is that, you know, they're still trying to figure out how to be major leaguers. And maybe that's just a cliche thing to say, but it's very real. And this is a Rockies rotation that is very talented. They will be very good. We'll see, obviously, some start to progress further than others. Senzatella, I agree with you, could be very much in that fourth, fifth spot towards that back end. Um, It's very exciting because they're very much all homegrown guys, and they all have great potential, and this is something we haven't really seen from the Rockies, well, ever, like at all. Period. It's a team that can actually pitch, and now they're not asked to go seven, eight innings. They're a staff that can only go six, and then, of course, with that great bullpen, clean up towards the back end. One place you don't have to clean up is Tap 14. Anytime you head down there for their amazing American Alpine Fair, sourced locally and rotates seasonally, they have an amazing staff that will clean all of that up for you, just like we hope the Rockies' bullpen will be cleaning up for those starters throughout the course of the season. Check out Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just a half block from Coors Field. Plus, if you need any more reason, they've got 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. My personal favorite. I am Casey Light. Light on his feet on Twitter. That is Ronnie K. Ronnie K. Radio on Twitter. Let's slide over now, Ronnie, to uh, the offensive side. We've talked about the pitchers. Uh, you, you've assuaged my fears just a bit, uh, but but there are some concerns on the offensive side of the ball, uh, and it starts really at at first base. We've been talking on and on about this battle at first base. Uh, you know, Ryan McMahon obviously making a huge name for himself uh, in in this. Uh, spring training, uh, playing very, very well at first base. But the re-signing of Carlos Gonzalez all but signaled the end of Ryan McMahon's chances at claiming that starting first base spot uh, simply for the fact you're not going to put Ian Desmond, who had been playing the outfield until Carlos Gonzalez re-signed, uh, therefore sliding Gerardo Parra over to left field and, sure. and Desmond over to first. You're not going to put a $20 million man on the bench to start the season. Absolutely uh, not. But you would consider putting somebody on the bench to start the season who is hitting just 135 for you in 37 at bats uh you mentioned the two home run outing uh obviously that was a, a nice uh, welcome change for desmond uh that was an 18-6 victory over the los angeles angels so yes the rockies have been blown out uh, a few times uh they're 9 and 12 overall uh going into play uh, on here on monday uh, but the thing with desmond that is just so disconcerting is the 18 strikeouts in 37 seven at bats just a a massive massive number there uh desmond has changed his his swing a bit he's he's dropping those hands he's trying to pull the ball he's trying to lift the ball a little bit more uh but but at this point doesn't he need to just start worrying about actually getting the ball put in play because he's going to be the starting first baseman on opening day and i've been very curious to know if we, we go back to talking about players and their roles and defining what it is. I'm curious to know if that really was in his head, is the fact that I'm not really sure if I'm going to be in the outfield or I'm not really sure if I'm going to be a first base. 
And this is why I think it's so much value in the cargo signing, because now you can put Carlos Gonzalez out there in the field, and Desmond is the first baseman. Period. End of story. No more discussion. That's all he focuses on. And it just so happens he has raised his average from point, uh, I think it was 075 or something like that at one point, to 135 uh, since the cargo signing. That may not be me. That may not mean anything. Uh, 135 is certainly not where you want to be at all, period. But at least you're starting to see him begin to heat up. And maybe it is because now there's a defined role and he knows exactly what he has to do. These baseball players, and you could probably speak to this, Casey, is the fact that there's a routine and there's a almost a, a regimen that you always follow every single day. You know, we always talk about how baseball players are superstitious and breaking uh, certain trends and everything like that. Now Desmond can kind of focus on just doing his role, playing it, and certainly he was going to be out on the, you know, hitting at the plate no matter what. But I really wonder if it weared on him being this hybrid guy. And I think it's better now that he's just at first, period, end of story. We'll see how he progresses in the regular season because certainly he's been underwhelming to start. Yeah, I, I think it's twofold. I think it's number one, knowing his role uh, and not having the fear that a 23-year-old could potentially be taking sure. that job away from him. Um, knowing very specifically that, yes, that is going to be his role. There wasn't... it. it Answer the question, will they bring Mark Reynolds back? No. No. Uh, Will, you know, on top of that, it also took some of the spotlight off of Ian Desmond because for the week prior to Cargo re-signing, the entire conversation that we were having here that was going on in Scottsdale, from what I understand, uh, and, and all the conversations that I've had with other folks who were down there, um, you know, obviously the, the the larger conversation about the Rockies was, what the heck is wrong with Ian Desmond? All of a sudden, Carlos Gonzalez comes back. Everybody starts talking about Cargo. The lineup starts to take shape much more like it looked throughout the course of the regular season last year. And what do you know, Ian Desmond starts to turn things around. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you know, Ian Desmond, as we saw last year, uh, did not love playing with the weight of expectation of the contract that he signed necessarily. Not to say that he buckled under that pressure, uh, just that he needed something else uh, to, to be the focus. Uh, and obviously his injury became an issue. There's a lot of things on Ian Desmond's mind. Uh, to your point, I think this takes things off of Ian Desmond's mind. It takes him out of the spotlight. You know, just because he's the highest paid player doesn't necessarily mean that he needs to be the guy who's in the spotlight. Sure. In fact, he's going to be at his best when he's not. So I think that was really a, a positive. I think we'll continue to see improvements from Desmond, uh, you know, whether he's, you know, whether he's able to m- Bump that average up above 200 for the spring to, to a certain degree doesn't matter. What really matters is, is he making good contact and is he contributing once the regular season rolls around? And I will say when he hits the ball, it is sharply hit. And there is power there, especially particularly with those home runs. And that's and, I, and that's one of the things that Bud Black has said all all along sure. is don't look at the numbers necessarily in the outcome. Look at how is the ball being struck. So mm-hmm. it's good to hear that from you. Uh, the three guys that I want to touch on to to wrap things up uh, are are in a dogfight for that fourth outfield position. And so I want to get your sense of how much we should factor in what they're doing this spring, especially from a numbers standpoint. Uh, versus maybe what they've done in the past because each one is is somewhat unique. Uh, and the three guys that I'm talking about are the trio we've talked about on this podcast regularly competing for that fourth outfield spot. That is David Dahl, Rymel Tapia, and Mike Talkman. Uh, Talkman head and shoulders has been better than the other two this spring, hitting 340 in his 50 at-bats. Uh, Rymel Tapia comes in second, uh, 90 points <laughs> 
uh, almost. Well, I should say, sorry, my math is bad. Uh, 80 points lower. Uh, sorry, 80 points lower at 259 in his 54 at-bats. And then David Dahl, who got off to that notable 0-for-15 start to the spring, hitting just 208 over his 53 at-bats. So uh, even an equal distribution, pretty much, of at-bats for these guys, uh, do we do we look at what they've done this spring? Or do, or do we look at what they've done in the past, which we know, obviously, David Dahl had that monster second half in 2016, then was injured all of 2017. Ramel Tapia was... Uh, Far more involved in 2017 than Mike Talkman uh, played in more than twice as many games. Uh, hit 288 for the year. Uh, big things from Tapia last year in his limited contributions. Talkman far less opportunity to contribute, but. I mean, we know the, the big numbers that Talkman has put up at AAA. He's shown well this spring. In your mind, where do where does that race sit as we hit the home stretch here in spring training for that fourth outfield position? Well, I. I I think you look at those three and you say, who do you want to start grooming immediately and who's your long-term options and and who's special of those guys? And I believe it's David Dahl. Uh, Speaking with David Dahl, he's healthy. He feels good. uh, He's a guy who's getting really good contact. You know, he's getting, quote, all of it, uh, as he likes to say. And I I would absolutely try to get David Dahl up and and moving in this uh, opportunity immediately. Because there is going to be a lot of shifting in the future, uh, particularly at outfield. And um, I I like what Tapia brings. I think he's a guy that certainly his speed is valuable. Still kind of learning the base pass. I believe we saw him picked off a couple times as well uh, in spring training. So certainly an option. Talkman, I I, I can't figure out (laughs) Talkman. It feels like he can't give you anything that's absolutely special. He's a little bit more of the consistent guys, you know, somebody who was, like you said, didn't get too many opportunities last year, but when he did, kind of took advantage of him. I think you will see Talkman on the Major League roster when when the opening day roster is released, but I think you want to try to get David Dahl involved, and David Dahl involved immediately because I think he is somebody who is special with the bat. Um, and could really be a contributor to the Rockies team for years to come. Yeah, Bud Black spoke about this uh, late last week, and I'll have a piece on MileHighSports.com a little bit later today with with a little bit more uh, in-depth uh, on this very topic. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think we're going to see Talkman uh, on the big league roster to start the season. Uh, age is a factor in it. Obviously, he's 27 years sure. old. Uh, he's he's you know significantly older than those other two. And I think for Dahl, you know, Bud Black touched on this, They he needs that bats he needs consistent playing time he's not going to get that as the fourth outfielder um i I don't want people to undervalue what mike talkman could potentially be let's not forget that charlie blackman was about this same age when he really made his big leap into the majors you know we we don't think of charlie blackman as being the same age as carlos gonzalez because cargo came up in you know the the early early days of his career and has stayed there uh whereas charlie blackman was a bit of a late bloomer i see a lot of similarities there with Talkman. Um, you know, obviously the physical skill set I think is closer with David Dahl, but man, those injury concerns happen over and over again. You know, when you talk about the long-term plans that the Rockies have, and really they're not as long-term as as you think, because the reality is there's a good chance in 2019 one of these guys is going to be starting in the outfield. Uh, Bud Black talked uh, in that same conversation about uh, what they view, how they view a long-term role for a guy. Um, you know, it's hard to say that Talkman 
Tapia necessarily projects to be an everyday starter. Uh, he, he referenced Pat Valeka, who we know is is on his way back from that oblique injury. Valeka was an everyday player at the minor league level and very successful there, but eventually they saw where his ceiling was and and came to realize that he was not going to be a consistent everyday contributor but he can be a great pinch hitter and utility guy which he was in 2017 and a huge part of the Rockies success last year I I have a sense that Tapia is going to fall into that same category as an outfielder he's going to be a base running threat he's a versatile guy he's a a tricky out, for lack of a better term. Is he going to give you the big boom off of the bench uh, that you might get from a Dahl or a Talkman? No, but Talkman and Dahl project as everyday players, assuming Dahl can stay healthy. Sure. Um, so I... I tend to look at it through that lens a little bit and say, I think you're right. I think we're going to see Talkman on that opening day roster uh, for a number of different reasons. And and he's earned it. Let's be fair. He was great in AAA last year. Uh, maybe got the call a little bit late because they like those intangibles that the Tapia brings. But I think they still want to see Tapia improve on the base paths. And it's a better place to learn that down at AAA where those outs matter far less than they do at the major league level. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tapia and all both down in the minor leagues, Uh, not because strictly they're hitting below 260 uh, each of them here in the spring, as we've talked about those numbers being a little bit less important, but look, let's, let's, reward Mike Talkman for what has been a very solid spring and hitting 340 uh, with those five runs batted in and those 17 hits over his 50 at bats. But again, it's one of those things too where we don't look at numbers as much in value as some of the smaller things. Those smaller things for Tapia, that is base running. You know, that is making sure that you are going on good pitches, you are uh, judging things correctly. And Tapia kind of has struggled so far in, in spring training for this. So this is one of those situations where, yes, it, it's unfortunate because the Rockies have so many talented players. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're we're kind of down on these guys maybe a little bit for some of the errors that they're making. These are all very quality players that the Rockies just have, uh, unfortunately, a glutton. It's a good problem to have. But to progress them at the way the Rockies could best use them at and, and best progress them moving forward because they are so young and raw... Tapia starting down in AAA. I would love to see Dahl on the opening day roster. I really would. Because I, I think David Dahl is a stud in the making. I, I am in David's corner. Um, it is a little worrisome with the back. You know, when was the last time you, you heard of an athlete recover from a back injury? Yep. You know, hopefully it's not one of those back injuries that is lingering because then all of a sudden you could be looking at this being a major problem for him throughout his early part of his career. Well, with so. Dahl, it was, I mean, it was a back that was the product of a rib, sure. which compounded a hamstring issue that he had had years prior. And let's not forget the spleen, which was a freak accident, but he is playing without a spleen. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, that, that's the issue with, with Dahl. Um, you know, you, you use the, he, he's a stud. You use that reference. Um, you know, st- Stud horses don't get better being left in the stable. They need to get out and run. And and to me, that's why Dahl's going to be down at the AAA level because uh, he's not going to become more of a stud sitting on the bench. Um, I, I think you're really, I think more than likely we're going to see Dahl uh, playing a starting position down in AAA. Um, same thing with Tapia. He, he's got to learn the game a little bit more inside and out. Um, so that's my projection. We'll, we'll see uh, how it actually plays out. But I, I think the writing on the wall at this point suggests that that's who we're going to see. Uh, then that 
that leaves that one final infield spot, infield outfield hybrid, depending on how Bud Black decides to go with it. Uh, because of the oblique injury to uh, Pat Vileka, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Uh, be Ryan McMahon to start because McMahon can give you multiple infield positions uh, and they need to kind of safeguard that injury. They don't want to put Pat Vileka in in a risky situation if they don't have to. Seems like he'll be back and ready to go for opening day. But uh, Ryan McMahon has had a great start to the spring. Uh, the, you know, obviously the trick with that is that you're burning an option there. And, and there's there's some there's some contractual issues that, that yeah. Jeff Breidich is going to have to think long and hard about. Uh, but he's going to have to think about that regardless of who he puts there whether it is ryan mcmahon or someone like uh a patterson um or, or any any of these other options that are still floating out there for and, colorado and that's so. the thing you're going to run into it no matter what i want to see ryan mcmahon against major league pitching i really would like to see it because you imagine that he is your future you know and and so i i think mcmahon ends up being on the opening day roster it will be interesting to see how they balance out all these uh, that's the one thing is that there's a lot of shifting and moving around going on here because the rockies have a ton of talented guys and they just don't have that many spots too so yeah it's a it's a good problem to have and that depth is going to be very very important as the 162 game sure. season wears on another place that's going to be very important as the 162 game season rolls along is tap 14. We are going to be down there for the start of Rockies season. That is next Thursday, March 29th. Cannot wait to be down there at 1920 Blake Street. Going to be a whole lot of fun to be down at tap 14 throughout the course of the year. It's going to be a whole lot of fun to be covering the Rockies with you, Ronnie K. We appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know where we can find you, not just on social media, but uh, where else can we consume your work? Yeah, of course, MileHighSports.com, uh, writing about whatever is on my mind. Generally, we'll be Rockies. I'll be in the Rockies clubhouse and, and press box this year. Also on, the, obviously, Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. So. Well, I am Casey Light. You can find me on Twitter, at Light on His Feet. You can also find my work at MileHighSports.com. As I mentioned, I'll have a lengthier piece up a little bit later today just about how those final two bench spots are going to shake out for Bud Black. So let's touch on the pitching just a little bit because, believe it or not, we are in the home stretch. It's hard to believe it's gone so fast, but... Regular season is just around the corner. Get excited for it. Until then, please check out all the great Rockies content at milehighsports.com. This is the Blake Street Irregulars presented by Tap 14. We will talk to you again on Thursday when we are just one week away from real regular season Major League Baseball.